I think the word addiction is way overused in our society for every little thing. Oh, I'm addicted to that. Oh, I must be addicted to this. Just like the word dose, with these commercials especially. Oh, I got to take an extra dose of this and that. The directions say I got to take a second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth dose. What are we dosing all over the place for? As we're being conditioned to dose our life away. As we're being brainwashed to take more and more doses of something to maintain our sanity and health. When did this happen? Because I don't see the word dose in the Bible anywhere. To me, it's a negative word. Let's make a pact to stop using it. What do you say? Have you ever seen somebody who's addicted to something? It could be anything. Maybe you yourself are addicted. And when you are, you are obsessed with doing your vice, whatever it may be. You're thinking about it constantly. And once you get it, it's like finding treasure. Your eyes get all big and bright. As you tell yourself, this is the place I want to be. This is what I need and what I've been made to do. Well, for those who say that, it's very, very sad. Because more and more you convince yourself that this worldly vice-ridden treasure is all you need. And nothing could be further from the truth. Because that earthly treasure is killing you. And you don't even know it. But maybe at this point, you do know it, and you don't even care. Man, we need to turn this ship around, don't we? The book says, do not lay up for yourself an earthly treasure. Anything that is rooted in this world apart from God is incredibly dangerous. Because this vice that you're obsessed with and dedicated to will eventually steal your soul. It will take you over 100% until you are totally helpless. And that is not a place any of us want to be. The book says, remember where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Yes, your mind and especially your heart will be abducted. It will be taken from you and controlled entirely by evil forces, where you will actually become a puppet of sin. So where does your heart lie does it lie with materialistic things sex drugs alcohol gambling money where these things become your god and replaces the true almighty god of the bible what we all need to do is come to god and ask him to help save and rescue us because especially once we cross certain lines it is absolutely impossible for us to change on our own. We all need to pray to God to help us change by reading the Bible and praying and listening to godly preachers because that's going to be the only way. Once we accept Jesus as our Savior and role model to emulate an understanding that he has died for our sins on the cross, once that happens, he gives us a new softened heart and new spirit. He equips us to become a new man and a new woman. And then, little by little, or sometimes immediately, we dump our vice. We free ourselves and loosen the chains of sin. 
and we're no longer held held captive by it. As God blesses us each day with more and more knowledge, wisdom, intelligence, and understanding. But we need to be sincere and humble and cry out to the Lord first, at which time Jesus will embrace and pick us up like a little child and take us to safety. And maybe this sounds like some kind of fairy tale for some, but it's not. It's not a fairy tale like Rumpelstiltskin where this one chickadee was supposed to be able to spin straw into gold for the king, where she got some little old man who bribed her to do it for her in return for payoffs. Yeah, all this gold, bribes, payoffs, sounds like the mafia or Congress. That rumple guy was nothing but bad news, but all these fairy tales are weird. That's why the stories or tales are described as fairy. Parents, I I believe you should throw out all those books. I never had use for them. So God is saving people each and every day. That's why Jesus came down to earth, to make it possible for us to change and follow a new path, a new way, to get us through this life and into the next, into paradise full of nothing but Peace, love, happiness, and joy. Now you're telling me you don't want a piece of that? You're telling me you don't want to even try and take the effort to alter your life, which is heading directly to ruin? Don't you feel that you're better than that? Well, maybe you don't, but you know what? You are, and you don't even know it. The book says, make it your practice instead to store up heavenly treasures which neither moths nor rust corrode, nor thieves break in and steal. So there's earthly treasures and heavenly treasures. Which ones do you seek after? Are are sites uh, are sites are are supposed to be focused on things of above, things that will last for eternity. Things like character and integrity, honor, honesty, truthfulness, love, kindness, sacrifice, faith, and hope. Basically, the things that you see are all disposable and will not last. The things unseen are everlasting. The things we need to pursue. So who is really better off? The the godless, wealthy person in life Or a God-fearing man or woman who is barely getting by, living paycheck to paycheck. Who stands to gain more when the party's over? You tell me. Do you live for the temporary or the permanent? We all need to have a little bit of foresight and stop living for the immediate moment. Otherwise, Satan will lead you around by the nose. He'll have total control over you. So let's be smarter than that for your sake and the people around you. The book says the eye is the body's lamp. If your eyes are good, your body will be filled with light. If your eyes are bad, your body will be filled with darkness. And this goes for physical and spiritual eyes because there are some blind people who can see the light a lot clearer than those who have operating eyeballs. We know that Jesus is the light of the world. And if you willingly are engrossed in sin every day of your life, 
You will never see that light. What, what you'll see is the darkness that gets darker and darker and darker to the point you're incredibly clueless and lost on which way to turn. While your right and wrong compass will be malfunctioning. It just won't work. In fact, it will get to the point where your moral compass needle will point to right when it's wrong and wrong when it's right. Everything will be topsy-turvy and upside down. Yeah, when I, when I was a kid, I always wanted a compass. I don't know what for, but I wanted it. Just like a stopwatch. I wanted it to be like Mr. Peanut. Didn't he have a stopwatch with a long chain from pocket to pocket? Well, if he didn't, he should have. Maybe I'm thinking of bikers. They always got chains leading somewhere. I'm afraid to ask. I guess they pretty much have to strip down to get through and on an airplane, right? It's another day above ground for me, Fred, my wife, and her 17-year-old princess cat, who will probably outlive the both of us. Maybe I should put her in my will. I was never too fond of cats, but hey, the things I do for love and the things God does for me. I'd be pushing up daisies long ago if it wasn't for him. As I look back, he has gotten me through so much trouble in my life. I can see clearly now and I'm grateful, even though we'll never fully know all that God has done for us. From cradle to coffin, thank God for God. And yes, I'm even grateful for the cat, even though she sheds all the time. On my couch, no less. Martha, Martha, get in here. I told you to keep her off the couch. Hey cat, get off of my couch. Get off my couch! Look at her! She doesn't move! I'm talking to myself here! Martha, Martha, where are you? Oh, the things I do for love! The things I do for love! So let's keep our physical and spiritual eyes alert and open and clear to let in the light so we can see and understand where Jesus is attempting to lead us leading us through and around so much pain, suffering, and, and evil and, and evil lurking out there in the world today. It's all over the place. Who needs it? So by all means, let's let God take control over our lives, where we will be prompted every day by the Holy Spirit on what to do and what not to do. Life will become so much simpler if you do. And simpler is a good thing. Remember Jesus Jesus saying that we will not enter the kingdom of heaven unless we become like little children. That is, little, sincere, honest, simple children. Don't think we have to be so complex and intellectual to understand the message of the Bible and to be on God and Jesus' team. No, that's not the case at all. Jesus is here for all of us, no matter what your status in life may be. The book says, look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Let's realize at all times that God is involved in our life, if we want him to be. Like our Don't Bring Up God theme song says, open up and let me in. Yeah, I butchered that. Yeah, open up and let me in. 
That's what Jesus is requesting you to do as he's knocking on the door waiting for you to answer. Now, are you going to answer or not? And I don't care how old you are, whether you're 8 or 80, it doesn't matter. Answer the door and let God's love show you the way. Yeah, pretty simple. The book says, which of you by worrying can add a moment to his lifespan? Because if you're all alone without God, then most likely you'll be worrying and worrying about the thousands of variables attached to every event in life. And why do you do that? Because you still think you're at the controls. Don't we know by now that Jesus leads us and we follow? How many times did he say that to his apostles? Follow me. Follow me. That's all we need to do. The book says, as for clothes, why be concerned? Learn a lesson from the way the wild the wildflowers grow. They do not work. They do not spin. Yet I assure you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was arrayed like one of these. So God has a special plan for our lives that we hopefully one day adhere to. But that doesn't give us a, a license to lay around and do nothing, to be lazy, saying to yourself and others, oh, I'm just waiting on God's plan and timing, hanging out, waiting for him. Now, waiting is crucial and necessary for us to do. But as we do, we don't sleep 14 hours a day, not shaving or showering for three months. No. What kind of behavior is that? Although I do know a guy who lives way up in northern Pennsylvania on a farm. He showers every month and month and a half, maybe two months, every month or two. I asked him why, and he said, hey, I'm the only one up here. There's nobody around that I have to impress or, or not smell in front of. So in his mind, he's free to be an outright pig. I bet most guys wish for that. Every time on my, I'm on my third or fourth day of not showering, I tell my wife, hey, how would you like me to be like Pete, who showers every month and a half? How would you like that? And then she says she's going to pay somebody to bring in a fire hose and hose me off like a circus elephant. Or an incoming prisoner, like they did with Sylvester Stallone in that First Blood movie. And then I said, hey... I tell her, I say, yeah, go ahead. Sounds like fun. Now, there's always something to do to stay active, to do some type of work or good deed, however large or small, it doesn't matter. We know that God don't want us to be slothful. It's very clear in the book. So let's get off our butt and and continue to be a servant of God in one way or the other. And when God's specific plan for your life engages over time, then so be it. But in order for it to activate, we have to be ready and prepared to go to the next level. Are we ready and prepared? Some are, some aren't. The book says, if God can clothe in his in such splendor the grass of the field, which bloomed today and is thrown on the fire tomorrow, will he not provide much more for you? O weak in faith. And faith is always crucial because your faith will release so much hope in your life. The door of opportunity will open wide as long as you're patient 
And if your faith is strong, you can be patient for years. And that's exactly what we need to do. Accept God's protection and direction within his timetable. And the more faith that you have, the more you can do it. To have the resilience that will last a lifetime. The book says, enough then of worrying about tomorrow. Let tomorrow take care of itself. Today has troubles enough of its own. Yeah, you better believe today has enough troubles of its own. Again, there are always things to do. Problems to solve, encouragement to give. And not just in your life, but in the life of your family, members, your your neighbors, friends, and strangers. Yeah, branch out a little bit. This is by no means a one-man operation. Just because you may have your act together doesn't mean you have no work to do. How about giving and working for the betterment of other people? Yeah, you heard me right. Some people are questioning what I just said then, saying to themselves, other people? I can care less about other people. Oh, really? Is that what God wants you to do? Does God want you to ignore the problems and issues of others? I don't think so. I'm not telling, telling you to stick your nose where it doesn't belong, but that shouldn't stop you from sticking your nose where it does belong. When other people are looking for some type of help and assistance, guess what? You can be that person that helps. Now, God does protect and direct us every day of our life, for sure. But who's to say he's not using you for that end on behalf of others? Like Paul in the New Testament was called an instrument of the Lord. We're all instruments of the Lord for the benefit of the entire human race. Let's get that through our head. And by the way, what's your favorite instrument? I'm thinking guitar or piano. How about the bagpipes? Who wakes up one day and decides, I want to play the bagpipes? Where the parents are hoping that they heard wrong? Oh, there must be some mistake. He said drums, right? He said drums. And who, and, who even, and, and who even thought of making the bagpipe? Who comes up with that idea? I guess it came from the Irish with their dresses or skirts. Always after my lucky charms. So many times, God involves us in his good deeds that he wants to uh, perform. Are you going to tell him No. That you don't want to participate? I'm thinking that's a mistake. Because we all have to pitch in. And again, it's not just for yourself and your immediate family. No. God has more intended for you. Perhaps go out there and seek the troubled and the lost or the poor or the homeless. I mean, you just attach any name you want to. There's plenty of stuff for you to do if you just look. Open up the blinds and open up the curtains and look out your window and take a walk and investigate what's out there. Don't feel that you're in your 50s, 60s, and 70s and your life is over, that you're all snuggled into your home that you've worked for all your life. 
You thinking your life is complete? No, it's not. It's not complete. It's just starting. Don't lie to yourself. Don't don't misinform yourself. You think God's up there looking down at you? Oh, look at them. Look at Tommy and Susie. Oh, they're so comfortable. Yep, they made it. That's all I wanted them to do in their life, to be comfortable. Oh, just to be comfortable. You think God's telling that, saying that about you? No. He's saying, hey, what's, what's going on down there? What about behavior similar to the good Samaritan? Yeah, remember that guy? He went out of his way to help another. And he, there was nothing in it for him, but he helped another. So maybe we should do the same. Hey, y'all, I'm Billy Bob. I was a gator hunter from Mississippi, IA. And I'm Alfredo from Alfredo's Pizzeria. And if we can be a best of friends without the fighting, then everyone should be able to do the same. Even though I think Billy Bob is four eggs short of a dozen to put his hands around gator mouse for a living. Safer than putting my hands in an 800-degree picture oven, singeing off my knuckle hair, I'll tell you what, but never mind all that. We each bond with Jesus Christ. We's on his team, which makes me on Alfredo's team. So I can forgive a Billy Bob for spitting the chew tobacco into my face when he gets excited and talks too fast, and ignoring the stacks of bald tires in his front yard. Just as I forgive Alfredo for serving me nothing but pasta for the past 20 years, and also using chopped walnuts as a pizza topping, which is way too squirrely, even by my standards. So our message is to keep a God close for all our sakes, and to listen to Don't Bring Up God on WAEB Sunday mornings from 8 to 9. Y'all take care now, hey? Billy Bob, don't forget your ground gator, gizzard, and garlic stromboli on your way out, with, of course, some pasta on the side. Thanks, Alfredo. Use a true friend. I'll tell you what. This is Don't Bring Up God. My name is Robert. I'm here with the board guy. If you want to give a buzz, you can simply do that at 610-720-7900. So let's all get more involved while all along enjoying God's direction, feeling secure that he is driving the bus. The book says, Are not two sparrows sold for next to nothing? Yet not a single sparrow falls to the ground without your father's consent. Yeah, you can't beat the protection that God provides as God becomes our best friend, like an older brother who takes care of us, who's got our back allowing all things to happen for the good. The trust that we have in God will overshadow any type of worry, anxiety, or concern that we may have. The book says, as for you, every hair of your head has been counted. So do not be afraid of anything. You are worth more than an entire flock of sparrows. And I love that phrase. Do not be afraid of anything. I take full advantage of that. Because literally anything that comes my way, I refuse to be afraid. I ain't going to do it. Because every time we're afraid and scared of some kind of worldly event or threat, we lose. We lose because we're degrading our faith, hope, love, and trust in God Almighty. And that's something we never should do. Some people are afraid of their own shadow. 
on a sunny day, they're, they're, they're always thinking that they're being followed. Cuckoo, cuckoo. I don't know why they're so paranoid. Many times their shadow is their only friend. It's like a twin brother with a deep tan. The book says, as obedient sons, do not yield to the desires that once shaped you in your ignorance. Yeah, we don't want to go backwards. We don't want to fall into that trap where you might say to yourself, hey, I did all this good stuff in the name of Jesus for God, for my fellow neighbors. So since I did all that, I deserve a little bit of vice on the side. Sort of like a payment for a job well done. Yeah, thinking, hey, God won't mind, Willie. I'm thinking for every five units of good works, I should be allowed one unit of debauchery. That's more than fair, isn't it? Well, you may think that it is, but God doesn't. It just doesn't work that way. The Bible says that the truth will set you free. But it also says, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cloak for vice. In a word, live as servants of God. Now, if you were allowed portions of vice, don't you think God would have mentioned it in there somewhere? But he doesn't. So let it go and move forward and learn to be more of a consistent Christian each day that you live. Hey, do we thank our parents for doing all that they did for us growing up? I don't think we do that enough. Without my mom and dad, I'd be dead. So I'm very grateful, and I hope my parents realize that, even though I didn't tell them and thank them nearly enough. So if your parents are still alive, just stop and take the time to thank them. And you don't have to make a big fuss about it. Just thank them. And believe me, they will appreciate it, if not tear up. Another person I would be dead without is my wife. No, I can't forget her. And is she perfect? Of course she's not. Just like I'm not. Just like everybody is not. But I love my wife and always will. And certainly grateful for all that she's done, even though I don't tell her either as much as I should. Well, I'm saying it now. And I know you're listening. The Bible talks about what consists of a good wife. The book says a wife is her husband's richest treasure, a helpmate, a steady column. And yes, the woman was made for the man, not necessarily the other way around. However, it's a perfect complementary relationship. What she lacks, I fill in, and what I lack, she fills in. Every marriage couple is a team working together because when you have kids, you better believe you better believe you're going to be tested. So you need to be on the same team, on the same page. And we, you know, we absolutely need that support from each other, don't you think? The book says her firm virtue is of surpassing worth. A gift from the Lord is her governed speech. You, you see how important the wife is to the husband in the whole scheme of things? I like when people say God is a chauvinist. Putting down women? Does it sound like he's putting down women with these quotes? I don't think so. He's doing the exact opposite. Building women up into a dynamic force of nature. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. 
Although some of you are probably probably thinking that God is is, uh, is going a little bit too far, saying, "Yeah, I got a good wife, but she ain't all that." In fact, I have a few non-flattering adjectives of my own that the Bible leaves out. Not going to mention them here today. Don't want to ruin the positive woman vibe that we got going on, do we? Hey, we got a call at 610-720-7900. Who's this? Steven. What's up, Steve? Basically, what's going on in Israel right now. Okay. Just Okay, I have one concern. We have an open border. Five million people crossed that border illegally in the last two years. How many sleeper cells are in it? How many sleeper cells exist in the country already? When they called for the jihad, the day of jihad, and I, I just can't believe people don't see this as a threat. So do you what, think what, this whole operation is a planned attempt to create a larger war? Yes. And why do you think and, that? Well, okay, look at it from a biblical metric. Who marches through the dried-up Euphrates River? Russia, Iran, and China, the kings of the East. This, The ability for this to happen did not exist for the last 2,000 years. It exists now. And we're a part of it. We threw the Shah out in 79 and MI6 from England. My old man, when when they did that, he couldn't believe they did it, first of all. But I think it had more to do with oil from some kind of an agreement in 1954. But it, it, it's just crazy. It's just, you can't believe what they're doing. You know, that might all be true, but I've heard over and over again that, like the United States and Russia and other big powers, uh, Israel has an unbelievable, a huge, expensive defense mechanism and system and they can detect a bird flying over and taking a crap on somebody's head Uh, and and for hamas to get through and waltz in there and waltz out i've heard so many people in the know that says it was allowed if not planned right only because then that gives them the ability to go in and take out hamas if you look at it like a chess game and I, I, it, it's part of my model, but there's, I can't prove it. We, we don't have the ability to prove something like that. Well, there's many but things in life we can't prove that are actual and real. Right. And, but it is rational. And only because, like you said, and they, they do have a defense that you can't even imagine. It, it just doesn't make sense. So it, so it was accidentally it, shut down for for a while? Is that what we got to believe? Just like that freakazoid in prison who supposedly killed himself or somebody killed him and, and the and the camera in in the uh, the sheriff's office or wherever he was, Epstein, that happened just to be down? I mean, how, how stupid do they think we are? We can't believe that nonsense. I know I don't. Even in our own country, go back to 9-11. They were on some kind of military exercises, all the, you know, all our fighter jets. You know, give me a break. They want us to take so much in, and it's like you just can't take it. So what's the solution to all this? There isn't one, because you have one side that they're, basically the Palestinians 
will not give up an inch of land. They, we treat them like they want to play irrational. Okay, I have Palestinian friends. I have Jewish friends. I have Jewish family members. But it's just insane. You can't deal with them on a rational level. And the thing is, people say, oh, it's not the Palestinian people. It was the Palestinian people who voted Hamas in in 2005. And just a side note, when you talk to these people, ask them about the temple. Do they believe the temple was built by the Jews? Well, in, in all this, I, ju- I, just, uh, I just see a lot more innocent people dying, women, children, and men. And it, it's a sad state of affairs once again. But my concern is, is this going to spread to the United States and the rest of the world? Because they have, like, Europe is full of the Middle East right now. And they thought they had problems with women, like women being raped in Sweden before. Wait until this escalates. It's going to be a nightmare. I agree. The potential there is like is for major, major disaster. But you know what? That's what God is for. So we pray extra and we prepare harder for the coming of Jesus because it sure you looks like it. it's right around the corner. Okay. Thank you. Good one. Thanks. The book says, A good wife is a generous gift bestowed upon him who fears the Lord. There's that word gift again. When somebody gives you a gift, it's given out of the goodness of their heart. You didn't really do anything to deserve it, right? So not only do we thank our spouse, we also thank God for them. Because once again, they're included in the plan that God has for our life. God sets up everything. And we need to realize that and appreciate it. The book says, marry a woman of the lineage of your forefathers. Now, this is basically saying and recommending that Christians should marry other Christians. We should be tied together with a godly oak, yoke, oak, oak trees. They're nice. But, but with a godly yoke. And you really can't do that if you're going to marry an atheist. Sometimes two godless people get married and then one over time becomes a Christian and the other remains godless. Now, that's no, co- that's no cause for divorce for sure. Because how do you know your behavior won't rub off on your spouse, causing he or she to convert one day? The marriage definitely can be still manageable and flourish as we pray to God for help every day of our lives. Let's realize that there are thousands of variables in every life event that we have no control over. You're, you're fortunate if you can control half of one variable. Because the truth is, we just don't have the wherewithal to control our circumstances. Now, I know people think that we do, but if you break it down, you don't. Huh. Let's see. Two minutes to break. Yeah, this is like a chessboard, and uh, it's like a puzzle. I got all kinds of things going, and I got always got to be concerned with the commercials and break time and callers and, yeah, well, what am I moaning about? That's, that's my job. That's why I get paid the big bucks, right? Right, right BG? Board guy? I deserve a raise or like a couple pennies, anything, don't you think? I don't care. I don't want it. Hey, I was listening to that Balaam and Balak story again in the Bible where King Balak wanted Balaam to put a curse on the Israelites in order to break them and defeat them. And he was willing to pay handsomely for his services. 
And that's not surprising because bribes and payoffs make the world go round now, don't they? There was a professional wrestler called Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man, who said everybody has a price. If somebody refuses to do what you want them to do, just up the price a little bit. It's only a matter of time before you get them to you get them to say, "Wow, that's a lot of money. I can't pass that up." Okay, I'll do it. So this Balaam guy was essentially asking God permission to curse the Israelites, and it just wasn't happening. So Balaam called King Balak off to the side and said, if you really want to break these people, all you got to do is attack from within. You don't need curses and you don't need weapons. Just attack their moral character. So what they decided to do was mix in many loose women involved with pagan worship and sacrifice with the Israelites as much as possible. And when I say loose women... I mean, loose women. Yeah, women nowadays are looser than men. I guess they've uh, gained equal rights in that area. I don't really see the major achievement, though. What, only to say that you are now just as immoral as men? Oh, what a privileged honor that is. So this Balaam and Balak realize that if they mixed the good with the bad, they'll get the final result that they were looking for. A weakened, disheveled, broken people who are easily conquered. And on top of that, and most importantly, God will be dissatisfied with their newfound corruption, lawlessness, wickedness, and depravity. And God, after a time of warning them, will not accept it for long. It would be only a matter of time before God himself descends judgment on them in the form of a cursed, broken society, easily conquered by foreigners. So one moral of this story is there's more, more than one way to skin a cat. Now this destruction of a people by inner moral decay is nothing new. The Roman Empire fell in large part because of it. I wonder if they had gender bending and sex changes back then. I think Caesar got one, didn't he? Moral attacks have been utilized in the United States forever, Because one of the many negative effects that happens is that the character of the population diminishes. You have less and less courageous people standing up for what is right because nobody cares anymore. And it's interesting to note that evil people know the Bible and utilize it to their own selfish advantage. Just like Satan knew the Bible, he twisted biblical quotes in order to attempt to manipulate Jesus. And he does it today constantly. So don't underestimate evil forces, whoever they may be, because most times they will be well-versed on the Bible, just like they were well-versed in history. The New World Order powers that be are fully aware of Hitler, Stalin, Mao Zedong, and all the evil rulers of the past. And why are they familiar? Because they want to learn from them and imitate them and take it up five or six notches. So never underestimate the opposition of wicked evildoers because they do their research and they're prepared, which means we have to be prepared also. We need to do the same. Once 
prepared as sincere, honest Christians, we then can tell the difference between God's people and Satan's people. We easily can detect who's who, because as a nun in Catholic school once told me, guilty conscience speaks for itself. In the same vein, ugly, lying, deceitful, manipulative, perverted, psychopathic fools also speak for themselves. And we know who they are, some elected and some not, but all misfit crazy people who no doubt still wet the bed. (laughs) Yeah, these people. We haven't talked about good old Klaus Schwab in a while and, and his sidekick, Crazy Land. Yeah, where's he been hiding? I'm sure he'll be coming out with new nonsensical information of some kind. And as I, as I wondered and pondered before, I wonder what happened to these people in their upbringing that made them result in a character such as themselves. Something terrible must have happened. You know, I was listening to some guy who supposedly lived in a family brought up with devil worship and they were Illuminatis, I guess. Man, some of the horror stories I heard. I couldn't believe what was going on. I guess the parents deliberately torture and sexually abuse these little kids from an infant. I mean, it could start a couple weeks, couple months old, and they keep doing it until they break them. I guess their philosophy is if, if you can damage uh, the kid through sexual abuse and yelling and screaming and scaring them and basically torturing them, you can realign their brain function. And that's the goal, to keep, to keep them and get them away from normal brain activity and thoughts and good feelings and kindness and, and sensitivity and reaching out to another and loving your brother and sisters and all that good stuff. Because once you're so tainted, and that's not strong enough of a word, once you're such so damaged, you, you, you don't experience those things, and you're much more receptive to evil. I, I watched one of those uh, shows on TV, I don't know, NCIS or Criminal Minds, whatever. And one of the episodes was about this ex-CIA agent who was trained with mind control to kill And then forget about it, like nothing happened. And he was in the system for a while, but somehow his his original brain shot forth and said, what am I doing here? What I'm doing is wrong. Something's going on. And he basically quit and turned his activity on killing designated targets from the CIA onto the CIA members that made him such a monster. So this MI, no, not MI6, uh, what's that mind control thing? Uh, I forgot it. It slipped my, out of my brain. Yeah, but, uh, but the CIA has been doing mind control. It is a thing. And as I said, this satanic stuff and Illuminati or Masons or whatever this guy was talking about, uh, it sounds outrageous. And I think the bad guy's playing on that because the more outrageous something sounds, 
we tend to just flip it away and say, that can't be right. He's just making it up to sell books on the internet, on his website, something. That, that just can't happen. So they bank on that and become even that much more outrageous, thinking that their cover won't be blown because people won't even take it seriously when they hear it. Yeah. Very intricate web of sickness, I must say. And it's been going on since the beginning of time. That's why people see the devil operating behind all the evil. Because it's too consistent. And, and, it's, and it's been going on century after century after century. I mean, when these bad guys die, who's to take over? Well, there's always somebody to take over. Because Satan apparently is grooming people to do his bidding. Yeah. It ain't cool. All right, we got five minutes here. Somebody called and then went away. You can call back at 610-720-7900. Yeah, sometimes uh, we have extra time. Hey, board guy, BG, you haven't played a song in a while. Why don't you play a song? Of, it doesn't have to even pertain to the show and what I'm talking about. Just just convey your thinking and what's going on in your head by this song. by a song. Whatever it is. Come on, let's play this game. Go ahead. Okay, we got a call then. But you can still play the song. All right, maybe he will, maybe he won't. You never can tell with him. But we do have a call at 610-720-7900. Who's this? Hey, it's Roy. How you doing, Bob? Hey, Roy, what's up? Good talking to you. Um, yeah, you know, uh, have you ever heard of George Washington's vision at Valley Forge? Uh, I I read a couple speeches of his and so forth, but what's his vision? Yeah, yeah, it, it's a long story. I'll try to make it as brief as I can. He had three visions at at once from from a, a mysterious lady that appeared, perhaps an angel. While you know the things were looking really bad at Valley Forge, you know they were losing and everything, but um, she gave him visions of the future of the, the United States, and one was that 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 many towns and villages would spring up all across the, the country and freedom would, would, would live. Um, that was the first vision. The second one was there was this terrible war, something to do with Africa. And it, one of the, 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 there was a flag in the vision that said, remember ye are brothers. Okay, so what's the bottom line? I mean, you guys got to call a little earlier because I'm running out yeah, of time. Yeah, you were running out so, of time. So what's the bottom line? Okay, well, the third vision was that that all people from all over the world would invade the United States, and a terrible war would break out of the United States. And what would, would finally win it for the United States, and the United States would win, would be that the people would cry out to God for help and for, for divine assistance. And, and, the, and we won the war. We won the final war. So, he, so you believe he prophesied what's to come? Yeah, yeah. Well, not George Washington himself, but but the angel that appeared to him. It, it, it's 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 online. If you look up George Washington, okay, for, for the United States, it's very very interesting. There there's some some naysayers that saying that it, that Anthony Sherman, the the guy that related it, wasn't really there. But there's 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 rebuttal to that that, that I could give later. Well, the bo- the bottom line to any story is God. We need to return yeah. to God, yeah. never leave, and see Jesus as a best friend with the best advice. I got to let you go. Thanks for the info. Yeah. We got another call. Who's this? 
Hey, morning, Mr. What's happening? Um, you got like a minute. Yeah, the bottom line is, I mentioned it before, God always brings judgment on a nation that turns their back on him. Uh, he's done that multiple times throughout history. It's all throughout the Old Testament. It's a principle in the New Testament. The bottom line is this. America needs to repent of their sin. Turn back to God. You mentioned it. Trust in Jesus Christ as Lord God and Savior. And then, and only then, can he have mercy on us. And that's it. It's that simple. It's spiritual warfare, everything you're mentioning, the evil that's growing and growing. And evil plays evil. evil plays the same tricks over and over again. Uh, they're not creative. So once you see their modus operandi, it's easy to detect. It really is. Yeah, and that's exactly right. I mean, Satan, his, his M.O. is very simple. It's the... Uh, he wants to deceive the world into hell and the lake of fire forever. Yeah, and the Satan and the people that he controls, the humans that he controls. Right. And they're so deceived uh, with power and being literally demon-possessed, like some of the stuff you're describing, the uh, torture of children, the adrenochrome, the Satan worship, all of that. So, um yeah, I mean, the Bible's true. It, it, it says this stuff would happen. I agree 100%. Thanks for the call. Yep, amen. All roads lead back to God. Tyler, we love you. We'll see you again. Listen on your free iHeartRadio app for all your music, radio, and podcasts.